0: all right all right thank you for joining me on this episode of the gospel truth i'm your host marlon wilson and we have another one for you today another debate and I'm glad that you will joined me. Uh we are going to be discussing does the mind show evidence for the existence of a God and that's going to be this is going to be a great debate. It's going to be a lot of philosophical uh ideas thrown around so get ready for this one. I think this is going to be a fantastic one. And I thank you for joining me. As always I do want to encourage you to like and follow the God's Truth. Make sure you hit that like, make sure you hit the subscribe and the notification bell so you can stand in loop with what the God's Truth has going on. Uh, as always all this content is not only on YouTube but also Facebook. Facebook Instagram and Twitter, so make sure that you are hitting the subscribe buttons over in those platforms as well. Also all this content is on podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, so make sure that you are subscribing to the podcast so that you can have that audio preference if you would like, alright? It'd be good to listen to a debate on the go while you're on the freeway or something, so you have that option, make sure you subscribe there. Um, Also I have a bunch of shows that are coming up here in the future. And i like to go over some of those shows. Coming up July 12th, I have Social Justice and Biblical Justice. Uh, Scott Allen is the author of the book that's on the uh, promotional right there, Why Social Justice is Not Biblical Justice. So uh, he'll be joining me July 12th at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So make sure that you are subscribed so you don't miss out on this one. And as you see, this this debate won't take place till September. That's because I'm taking a paternity leave. I will be taking uh, July, the rest of July, and all of August off to attend to a new family member coming to my way man i have a son on the way and we're excited for that so i'll be taking time away from the platform live shows anyway uh to to attend to that 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 matter there uh but this debate will be in september i have david palmer versus matthew wismer and uh, is innate knowledge of god a necessary necessity for all other knowledge so make sure you're on the lookout for that one And then lastly, I have uh, Matt Slick and Carlos Xavier. God is one person. They'll be debating that. Is God one person? Matt Slick is a Trinitarian. Carlos Xavier is a Unitarian. So that's coming up Tuesday, September 14th at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So that is just the next three shows coming up here on the god's truth so make sure that you're subscribing make sure you're liking make sure you're doing everything you need to do to stand with the god's truth and you don't miss out on any shows that are coming up here in the future as i just said uh we're going to be debating uh does the mind show evidence of god you know this is an interesting one this is uh, this is the first i'm trying to look in the art think of my mental archive of all the shows i've had on this platform I'm trying to remember all the show but i think this is the first of this topic so i'm excited for this one i have stillman smith jr with me if you know him he's from the uh the, the uh, platform uh unapologetic Apologist. so check him out he's a, he has a great channel make sure you when you go over there you subscribe to him and i also have danny from field talk he he's 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 an up and coming he's uh using on cord i think it's on cord he's on and uh um but he has a he has a page and i would like for you guys to go check these guys out but i'm gonna let these guys come in and introduce themselves to you no need for me to talk to you about them if they could talk about themselves what's going on fellas how y'all doing
1: just fine thanks for
0: having me I'm glad you guys are jumping on this one, man. This is going to be a great topic, great debate. And um, so, before we jump into this, let me uh, allow you guys to introduce yourselves. I sort of gave a little quick run through your platform, but if you have anything else you guys do, uh, blogs, websites, whatever you do, make sure you tell these guys what you do. All right. So, uh, start with Danny, if you don't mind, give a quick introduction to yourself, man.
1: Yeah. Um. I'm Danny. I ha- I have this new channel since January called Phil Talk and. I post some of my debates and I have a couple interviews. Um, I'm really interested in philosophy. So if you like that sort of stuff, and then if you like debates and um, I guess debate reviews, I do some of those, then you should check out that page. But that's all I got for, for my intro. All
0: right, thank you, Danny, appreciate you. All right, Stillman, go ahead, and give a quick introduction yourself, man. Sure, Yeah, my
2: name is Stelman Smith Jr. Um, me and my buddy a couple years ago founded the Unapologetic Apologist just because we wanted to, you know, have the opportunity to talk some, talk to some of the thinkers we admire like Frank Turek or William Lane Craig. And I've been really, really grateful and blessed over the years to have some of those guys come on my show and talk about me, uh, talk about me, talk with me um, about some, you know, ideas, stuff I'm interested in. And um, yeah, yeah, I don't know what else uh, to say, um, but thank you for the invitation having me on. Um, I, I will say it's been really great over the past couple of weeks getting to know Danny. Um, him and I have talked a couple of times, so I'm definitely really looking forward to this conversation. And if I, if I may add, um, it is my good friend Mark's birthday today, so I want to say happy birthday to Mark.
0: All right, all right, cool. Happy birthday, Mark, man. Hope you you know you get, hope you ain't get like me, man, with the salt and pepper on your face, man, getting getting get that age, man. But good stuff, man. All right, so we're going to jump into this, man. We ain't going to waste no more time. Once again the topic of this debate? Does the mind show evidence of the existence of God? Danny, you're arguing negative. Stillman, you're arguing affirmative. So st- so we're going to start this off with 20-minute opening statements. We're going to follow that with 5-minute rebuttals. Then we're going to have about a 40-minute open discussion. The only time I'll jump in is if I feel you guys are throwing that. a hom- are being rude to each other or veering off topic. Then we're That's gonna follow that with five-minute closings and then we're gonna have some Q&A from the audience. Sounds good? Sounds great. Sounds good to all me. All right. All right, Stillman, you're up first for your 20-minute opening. Let me know when you're ready and I will start your time. Oh, Sure, time. ready, I'm gonna start. All right, speaking of yeah. time, uh, when you, when your one-minute warning is coming up, you both will hear this little chime. You hear that little ding? That lets you know you okay. have one minute left in your opening statement or rebuttal or closing. So uh, make sure you use your time wisely. Um, you'll also see the time yes. up in your upper left-hand corner of your screen. So whenever um, oh. whenever you, you, know, you glance up there money. just to get a yeah. quick reference of that time. Uh, let me know when you're ready and I'll start your time, uh, Stilman.
2: Yeah, go ahead.
0: All right, you got it for 20 minutes.
2: All right, so uh, first I want to thank Marlon for inviting me on. I really appreciate it. And thank you, Danny, for engaging in this debate. The question of the debate is, does the mind show evidence for the existence of God? Now, to begin addressing this topic, I want to read from Josh Rasmussen's book, How Reason Can Lead to God. In his chapter, Foundation of Minds, he writes on page 76, a world with minds, what sort of being are you? Here's a clue, you are capable of thinking, feeling, and making decisions. In other words, you have a conscious mind. Minds are strange. Why do any minds exist? We can easily imagine a world without minds. For example, imagine a world that has all the shapes and structures of our universe, except with no emotions, no thoughts, no hopes, and no feelings. Or imagine an evolutionary process that spawns an army of machines shaped nearly like us, yet without any consciousness. Yet our world manifestly includes conscious minds. How? Why? Throughout recorded history, people have provided Precisely two fundamentally different accounts of the origin of minds. First, there's the foundational mind hypothesis. According to this hypothesis, mental reality is foundational to the rest of reality. The other account of minds is materialism. On this hypothesis, the foundation is mindless. Given materialism, people, assuming they exist, are the product of a complex pattern of particles and nothing more. If materialism is true, then reality proceeds from shapes to sensations, from motions to mind and from particles to people. Now, a quick note before I make my argument. I'm aware that my opponent is not a materialist or a naturalist, so my intention is not to saddle him with a position he does not hold. I am not naively assuming a false dichotomy between theism and materialism. However, I do think there is a dichotomy between mind at the foundation and any non-mind hypothesis. I am here not only for my opponent, but for you, the audience. And because I believe many of you who are atheists are also naturalists, Naturalists, my argument will address naturalism as an example of a non-mind hypothesis. That will be stage one of my argument, and my opponent, I believe, will agree with stage one. In stage two, I'll address other non-mind hypotheses and show that they will have the same exact problem in explaining minds. Now for stage one. I will be defending the foundational mind hypothesis. That is, that reality at its foundation is a mind, and this provides the best explanation for why any minds exist in order to do this i'm going to focus on three attributes of minds or consciousness and then show why theism better explains these facts than naturalism the first is qualia qualia are the feeling aspects of certain sensations an itch feels a certain way happiness feels a certain way this feeling is what philosophers call quali which is the singular of qualia Is what makes an emotion different from mere motion. It also provides a distinction between what we might call third-person characteristics with first-person characteristics. First-person characteristics are are qualia like anger, hunger, or pain, we've discussed them. But third-person characteristics are things like shape, size, motion, and mass. A mug, for example, has third-person characteristics. It has shape, weight, and size, but it has no first-person experiences. Likewise, planets in motion have only third-person characteristics—their mass, occupation in space, motion in orbit—but a planet has no first-person experiences. The question, then, is how on materialism do minds come to be? If all that exists is nature, atoms, laws of physics, and physical materials, then how are minds constructed? This is known as the construction problem, or the hard problem of consciousness. To be clear, the construction problem is not guilty of a composition fallacy, because it is the case that certain constructions are impossible. Think about a few examples. It is impossible to construct a blue floor from only white tiles. It is impossible to construct a green window from only red bricks. It is impossible to construct a prime minister from only prime numbers, to use Josh's example. Consider sand. Sand has no first-person aspects, and if I were to pick up the sand and rearrange it in my hand, it would never gain first-person aspects by my constructing it a certain way. Once we have this common ground of understanding that some constructions are possible or not, we can then ask the question of whether or not it is possible to construct a mind from pure matter, and I'll argue that constructing a mind from pure matter is an impossible construction. Here's a question. Why would the motions of atoms in our brains give rise to consciousness? At this point, it's worth it to mention emergentism, One could say that unlike sand, given a certain chemical makeup, firing of neurons and brain activity, that consciousness emerges. But of course, this is to miss the problem. The problem is not whether or not certain organic life forms can exhibit a type of behavior. Rather, the problem is how to construct first-person sensations from merely third-person materials. Suppose we were to try and build a robot that had first-person experience. How could we possibly do that? Sure, we could build a robot that behaved as if it had first-person sensations. For example, we could build a robot that scratched its leg or smiled, but that would not be the same thing as building a robot that actually had experiences of an itch or happiness. So the question is not if a certain mechanical construction can give rise to a robot that exhibits certain behaviors, nor is the question whether or not the evolutionary process can give rise to certain motions of atoms in a brain that cause organic beings to carry out certain activities but the question is how to construct first-person experiences from only third-person aspects of reality. Furthermore, the proposal of emergentism doesn't solve the problem. It just labels it. Suppose we saw water pouring from a rock. How is that possible? Here's an answer. The water emerges from the rock. But if I were to give you that answer, you would say to me, that doesn't answer the question. How does the water emerge from the rock? Simply saying that consciousness emerges from the brain merely labels the mystery. It does not solve it. Clearly there is something else at play beyond the rock and the water and there is clearly something more at play than the brain and consciousness. Number two is private access. This is the second attribute of consciousness, that your consciousness is directly knowable by you. You have direct access to your feelings and sensations that are unique to you. No one else has this kind of direct access to your own awareness of your consciousness. Others can only make inferences to them based on your outward behavior. If someone sees you smile, they can infer that you are happy based on the third person characteristics that they are seeing. But you don't infer that you are happy. Your feeling of happiness is directly knowable by you. You're immediately aware of it. No inference necessary. So here we see the construction problem again. How is it possible to construct private aspects of reality from purely public aspects of reality? Much like building the robot, we have access to all sorts of public aspects, like metals, wires, electrical circuits, and software. But these are public and equally available to everyone, and we intuitively recognize that no combination of these things could give rise to a brand new private aspect of reality in the consciousness of the robot. Now one may object that this construction problem has already been solved by neuroscience. What I refer to as a private aspect of direct awareness to an itch or happiness, for example, has already been proven to correlate with brain activity. Neuroscientists look at brain activity and they can infer you have an itch. They can observe different brain activity and infer that you feel happy. But remember what I pointed out earlier. This inference is based on third person characteristics It's based on third-person characteristics of gray matter and so on, and it's not the same thing as your first-person awareness of it. In fact, the only way neuroscientists were able to map out the connection in the first place was to ask the patients in the experiments how they were feeling. They couldn't know just by observing the brain activity. So I want to be clear about what the construction problem is. It is not whether brain activity causes consciousness. Obviously, brain activity does have causal effects on consciousness, just as the mind has causal effects on the brain. The problem, then, is the nature of the connection. How does certain brain activity connect with private aspects of an itch? Merely seeing the connection does not explain what makes the connection possible, just like the water coming from the rock. Number three is free will. A third attribute of consciousness is your power to make free choices. Can you make free choices? Some would argue no, but I want to appeal to your intuition of yourself making choices. Every day we wake up and face a landscape of potential. What we will eat for breakfast what time we will leave for work and an uncountable amount of details in between we make those potentials reality with our free choices we could have chosen something else you could have chosen oatmeal instead of cereal you could have slept in 10 minutes later and told your boss that bad traffic was the reason you were late for work we are creatures that make millions of choices every single day and your choices are up to you now let's give the devil its due Perhaps this is just an illusion. It's not as though we can actually know whether or not we could have made different choices because traveling back in time is impossible. But let's leave aside what is known as the principle of alternative possibilities. The point I want to make here is that our senses are our windows into reality. Your sense of sight of tables and clocks is a window into a reality of a world with tables and clocks. Your sense of smell is a window into a reality with foods and other things that give off smells. And I submit that your sense of yourself making choices is a window into a reality of a world where you really do make genuine choices. But if this is true, we once again run into a construction problem. How do we construct minds that make choices from natural materials that don't have the power to make choices? The laws of physics don't make choices. Atoms don't make choices. The evolutionary process did not make choices as it just followed the physics of our universe. And functions in your brain don't make choices because they result from the motions of atoms that don't make choices following the laws of physics that didn't make choices. And so if your mind is the product of this unguided process, how does the ability to choose just emerge? It seems to me that it would be impossible. And so on the naturalistic framework, you don't make genuine choices but rather you are pulled along by the physics of the universe in a mindless and unguided way. You are not free. Dr. Braxton Hunter puts it this way, if materialism is true, we are in a closed system of cause and effect. The universe is like a machine creating little machines. So looking at the three attributes of mind discussed, qualia, private access, and the power to choose, we have a clear construction problem on naturalism or any non-mind hypothesis. Third person, public, and mindless aspects are the wrong materials for building first person, private minds that have the power to make choices. Now, I will briefly present stage two of my argument, in which I provide a solution to the problem, the foundational mind hypothesis. And once again, I want to turn to Josh Rasmussen's book, How Reason Can Lead to God. He writes on pages 89 and 90 First, If mentality exists at the foundational layer of reality, then this foundation could be the ultimate cause of the first-person sense that minds have. The foundation would itself include a first-person sense. Instead of shifting from pure nonsense to sense, sense exists at the foundation of things. Thus, the foundational mind could construct first-person properties from first-person sense properties. Sense materials are then the ultimate building materials for all sensations. Second, the foundational mental layer would include the resources to produce minds that possess the power of private access. The foundational mind would have that same power. It would have the power to access its or their own thoughts and intentions directly. Thus, the foundational mental reality could create other minds that have the power of direct access to their own thoughts and intentions. Third, foundational mentality would include the resources to build beings that have the power to make choices. Here's how. Suppose the foundation forms laws of motion that leave some options open for other minds. As physicists tell us, not all physical laws are completely deterministic. A particle may go one way or another. Particles leave options open. With some options open, the foundation could then intentionally form beings with the power to make choices within some of the open options. In this case, particles do not completely pull people along. Power can flow the other way. People have the power to pull particles along within the options open. So, with this in mind, it seems we have an argument that the existence of our minds cries out for an explanation which can be found in a foundational mind. If we start with a foundational mind as our hypothesis, then we have both the resources and the predictive ability to construct minds. This foundational mind would have the intentionality required to create other minds. It would possess the power and intelligence to fine tune a universe in which those minds could exist. It would have the mental attributes needed to impart onto those minds, and so serves as an explanation for why and how our minds exist. And in the absence of a superior explanation, we are justified in reasoning that this foundational mind is indeed the best explanation. The burden of proof would then be on my opponent to provide us with a better explanation for the existence of our minds than the foundational mind hypothesis. What this foundational mind would then be is the most fundamental layer of reality. That is because if there is something more fundamental than this mind, then this mind would be just as unexplained as ours, and it wouldn't answer the construction problem since this mind would still not be explained in how it is constructed. And if this mind can't be constructed, then none of our minds could be constructed either because we are dependent on this mind for the construction of our minds. Further, this foundational mind must be necessary, that is, say it cannot come into or go out of existence, because if it could, there would be required something more fundamental to construct it. Since this mind is foundational, it is above the realm of possibility, and so it cannot go out of existence. Therefore, this foundational mind must be eternal. Lastly, if this mind is necessary, it cannot possess any arbitrary limits, and those limits, as those limits would need an explanation from something more foundational. But as we've discussed, there is nothing more foundational. So this mind cannot be limited in knowledge or power. Therefore, it must contain all possible knowledge and all possible power. And a mind that is foundational, necessary, eternal, all-powerful, and all-knowing is what we mean when we say God. Therefore, if our minds exist, it follows that God exists. Thank you.
0: All right. Thank you so much, Stillman, for that opening statement. All right, Danny, you're up for your 20th opening. Let me know when you're ready, and I'll start your time.
1: Okay. It's going to—I'm uh, ready. I'm ready. Um, You may start the time. All right. You got um, it. Yeah. Yeah. There, it's it's going to be hard to not um, orient my opening towards what Stelman has, uh, a lot of what Stelman has said, um, so I'm not going to be able to help myself here. But um, I first of all, a lot of what Stelman says I completely agree with. Um, the first-person, third-person distinction. Um, I think that there can't, in principle, be a scientific account or a theory of the mind. Um, I think I'm a dualist. Right, uh, meaning that I do distinguish mind and body as two separate ontological categories. Right, um, a lot of what Stellman was saying was arguing for this sort of position, um, and I'm and I'm I'm in complete agreement. So we can we can affirm dualism, no problem. Okay, so the topic of debate though is if dualism is if dualism is true, is does that constitute evidence for God? Okay, um, I I think not and there are a couple controls of evidence, but I take um, evidence to be something confirmatory, meaning that if we didn't see evidence for something, um, then it would be disconfirmatory. Okay, so very quick example. If I wanted to know whether there is a horse in my bathroom, okay, evidence of that would be some kind of animal with a set of organs, this furry, and that goes, neigh with hooves, and... Um, the point is that I can generate those predictions from the proposition, there is a horse in my bathroom, and then go in, and if that expectation is not met, the proposition is disconfirmed. It's falsified. Okay? So in virtue of not seeing those sorts of things, that's to say, you know, the fur, the body, the hooves, that's all evidence that the fact that there's this a horse there, right? If I don't see that, then it it sort of negates or it show, falsifies um, the sort of hypothesis or proposition I'm entertaining, okay? But I take um, theism, especially the sort of brand that Stellman, um, Selman's form of theism, Christian monotheism, to to be um, to have a certain control of God that God is necessary and unfalsifiable. okay? So the notion of an unfalsifiable thing, right means that you can't use, empirical data evidence right to show it to be false okay now let me just grant i think the argument that i'm making here could be made from a christian right my atheism really doesn't matter right now because a lot of theists think that well i think god is one of those things that you know a priori meaning before experiences before empirical data you just kind of come to know god either the through arguments or through the holy spirit or through intuition right that witnessing how the world is like, you know, the fact that there, that leaves have, you know, leaves are green and that there you know, there's DNA that, that, that none of that is going to be evidence for God because everything is, con- is consistent with the God hypothesis. So let me elaborate on what I mean by that. Okay. The idea is that people that want to say, let's just use a very simple example. People that want to say that because trees exist, therefore God exists. Um, or that's to say that they take trees to be evidence for God. Well, on my view, that would mean that if there were no trees, there'd be no God. It would be disconfirmatory, right? But obviously that seems very false. It seems like God could have made a world, right, where there are no trees, or you could have a world where there are no trees and you would still think God exists, okay? Um, In the same way, if you take a world in which there are no minds, right, I don't see how that falsifies the God. I think the uh, God could exist in a world where there are no minds, okay? So that's to say, that the existence of minds doesn't confirm the God hypothesis, nor does it the non existence of minds disconfirm the God hypothesis. Okay, so um, a lot of what I'm going to say is repetitive because honestly, this is not easy stuff. This is like deep philosophy, and and people tend to get lost. It took me a long time to kind of get through the terms and the jargon. So the uh, to, to kind of reiterate the, to summarize the idea is that no empirical data, right? No um, truth. Um, that can be, in principle, observed or known via experience can prove or disprove God. That if if you are going to claim that you have knowledge of God, it's going to be known via other ways, via intuition. You could appeal to stuff like other metaphysical postulates, like, like the Holy Spirit, or philosophical argumentation. Okay, so that's to say that I take God to be a metaphysical thesis in the sense that. It's consistent with any kind of experiential state that you might have of the world outside of your internal, internal states, okay? Now to more directly address what um, Stellman was saying um, about I have a choice, right? They're minds. We want an account for why they're minds. And I already said that based on auxiliary, fancy philosophical argumentation that I don't need to bring up, I don't think there can be scientific a scientific theory of why my body has a mind. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think there can be a unified theory of that. Okay. I grant you that. I think that I'm convinced of that. Right. What, but, but he's saying that nonetheless, we must have an explanation and either you're going to have a non-God world or God world to explain minds. Right. And then he gave a series of arguments um, that suggested that it can't be that a material thing explains um, mentality. Okay. So I want to distinguish two sorts of explanations. I rejected a scientific unified theory, okay? Although um, a material explanation is not identical to such a theory. So you can have no scientific explanation for, or theory rather, I should say theory, for a set of phenomena, but you can still have a materialistic um, account of what happened, right? So uh, for instance, you know, I, if I fell down, fell down the stairs and I broke my leg, um, i would explain that materialistically in terms of me falling down the stairs that's what explains the, my breaking of the leg okay what um but notice that there're no laws of falling down stairs and breaking legs right there's no natural laws that govern you know exactly um you know the co- the correlations between falling down stairs and and breaking legs that's all going to be reduced to laws of physics right i can g- eliminate terms like stairs and legs and i can just talk in purely of fundamental particles and uh, natural laws of physics. Okay. So what I'm saying is that there, you can posit a material explanation without invoking a unified theory of falling downstairs. Right. So that's, so, so we either have, you know, that account. So I could say that, well, yeah, we have minds and that's kind of explained by a certain set of physical states, but there's no theory about how that works. Um, or I can appeal to God as an explanation. Okay. And, um, the first confusion that I have is that I think Stellman does agree that the physical interacts with the mental, very simple example. If you drink alcohol, lots of it, hopefully you don't, um, when this is a good Christian channel. Okay. Hopefully you don't, but if you do, um, your, your mental states are going to go all wacko, right? You're going to, you're going to have different beliefs, qualitative experiences. Uh, there's all sorts of things going on with your mind. Now that can be sufficiently explained by your drinking of alcohol. Okay. So there's a direct, I mean, a pretty simple example how the physical interacts with the mental. So to say that it's impossible, impossible, logically impossible, that the physical world um, could bring about a mind, I think that's too big of a burden to bear because that would just lie rest on uh, the view that the physical and the mental can't interact in such a way. And I didn't hear, and maybe I have to, in our conversation, he can elaborate, but I didn't hear an argument for why the physical and the mental can't interact in that particular way, right, um, but um, let me, some other points of agreement with him, though, okay, I will agree that minds are strange, right, um, they're not, I don't take them to be material, I don't take them to be physical, okay, so they're strange, although, you know, it's like talking about, you know, the number three, and can I find the number three under a rock, well, no, that's kind of, it's kind of silly, to me, I look at, the, the the number three that exists is immaterial, just as the mind is immaterial. So appealing appealing to scientific data to, like, establish one hypothesis over another, I agree with you, Stillman. We can't do that, okay? Um, I also would agree that this notion of emergence has been a very elusive term for me. In the literature, in the philosophical literature, emergence is strongly tied with the notion of supervenience. And Stillman gave a pretty good example. Um you have H2O and um, the properties of water. And they. a lot of people want to say that the liquidity, um, the fact that it, uh, the clearness of water supervenes on water's molecular structure. And that's, that's kind of um, a notion of emergence, although it's not very well defined. In fact, it's so ill-defined that I don't even like to use the term with respect to philosophy of mind debate. So let me just then agree with you that if you're saying something like the mind emerges from um, the brain, in the same way that the properties of water emerge from H2O, I agree with you, Stillman. That doesn't make any sense on my view. Okay, um, but you know, I think I think that's pretty much my the summary of, of my opener slash response to what you said. But um, I
0: guess that's it for me. All right, thank you so much both for all those opening statements. All right, Stillman, you're up for your five minute rebuttal. Uh, let me know when you're ready, and I will let me uh, reset this time real quick and. All right. Let me know when you're ready and we'll I'll start your time. Yeah, I'm ready. All right, you got it, man.
2: All right, so um yeah, no, thank you Danny for that. Um I really appreciate it. I like again, as you did highlight our agreements um that you are a, a dualist as I am, that we, we don't think there can be you said there can be a scientific explanation, um, I said naturalistic and I, mean, I I hope you took my point seriously that I wasn't trying to saddle you with naturalism. I just I think we agree that it's a good way of kind of setting the table for this kind of discussion, but I do think non-mind, the way I structured it, shows that any non-mind hypothesis has the same kind of problems. Um, You talk about evidence as confirmatory about making predictions if there's a horse in your bathroom, but I think, you know, evidence for something, I don't take it to be merely confirmatory or based on predictions. I think evidence is just, gives you reason to believe something, and so it could go backwards. If you walked into your bathroom and you found fur and you tested it and it was horse horse fern, you saw, you know, hoof prints, you could hypothesize that there was a horse present. So it doesn't merely have to be predictions. It can, you know, you can infer to the best uh, explanation, um, you know, for, for whatever the reason uh, that would be. You, you said God is unfalsifiable. Um, depends for precepts. God certainly is unfalsifiable. I wouldn't take that view. I'd take the view that if you could show logical contradiction in its nature, you could falsify him that way. Um, and then you had this other said this other thing that kind of confused me. You said a world with no minds wouldn't disprove God. And then so the mirror image is that a world with minds can't prove God. Um, But I, I don't see how that follows. Again, my argument is that a foundational mind is the best explanation for why any minds exist, that no minds could exist unless there was this foundational mind. And so I would say if you have something like possible worlds but no God, I would say if there is no God, if there is no foundational mind, then in no possible world could minds exist of any kind. So the fact that Minds exist in, even if it's only one of the possible worlds, I take that as evidence that there is a foundational mind, just like hoof prints, I would take as evidence that there you know, was a horse. Um, I wrote down here, no theory about how the brain produces consciousness. I think that, was, that, again, might have been another point of agreement, that there's not really a theory of how brain produces consciousness. But then you went on to say, um, the physical does interact with our minds, and you gave the example of alcohol, I think you said I can't prove that the physical cannot produce minds. Um, I think I gave an argument for why the construction of these attributes of mind would be impossible if you did not have these attributes of mind um, in the building blocks. and it's not merely, obviously, I would grant that the physical, that our brains interacts with our minds, but there are examples of backwards causation where the mind uh, has causal effects on the brain. And I don't think that would be the case if the entire explanation of our minds lied um, in the physical aspects of our brains. Um, firstly, I, I would point out that it's not merely brains, that there are uh, cases that uh, I, I can cite here um, of people with a condition, what is it called? Um... I don't, I don't have the word written down, but, but there's cases of people born without brains and skulls just filled with fluid and they have consciousness. Um, the placebo effect is an example, multiple personality disorder is an example of how when different personalities manifest they actually cause brain changes like they can actually make the brain blind or make the body have allergic reactions and then when different personalities manifest those allergic reactions go away and I do so I, of course I agree that there is interaction going on but I don't believe that the mind is just a necessary result of certain brain activity because if that was the case mental causation to me wouldn't make any sense right if mind was completely dependent on brain um, then any so-called mental causation would actually be the result of the brain. And so everything would be bottom up. You would never have any, uh, top down, uh, examples. Um, and yeah, no, I, I, am not sure what else to cover there. Um, so yeah, I, I might just, I might just leave it at that.
0: All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Dom. I appreciate you for your rebuttal. All right, Danny, you're up for your five minute rebuttal. Let me reset your time and okay. you can give it a go, man.
1: All right, so we should narrow in our disagreement because there are lots of points of agreement as well as there are lots of points of disagreement. So, um, if we could just focus on what I think, you know, sticking to the topic as as you have been, there might be we might be talking past each other as to what evidence is in the first place. Okay, now <clears throat> I do agree with you that there's a there's a there's basically two senses of evidence that I use. But um, that one is the one that I gave with respect to generating predictions. The horse example is that is such a such an example. Okay, and then there's this. Think about this: the this proposition uh, compared to the other one, right? There is a horse in my bathroom versus there was a horse in my bathroom. Okay. Now the idea of there was a horse in my bathroom that gen- that might not generate any predictions because the idea is that if you go in your bathroom and it's squeaky clean with no hair no animal, no nothing, right? Doesn't mean that the horse wasn't in your bathroom. It could have been that someone cleaned up after the horse's mess, right? So what's going on there is that if you were to think about whether there was a horse in your bathroom, you might expect, right? it does generate a prediction, you might expect that there might be hair or hoof prints or you you gave some examples, but notice that if we didn't see those things, it wouldn't definitively falsify um, the fact that there was a horse in my bathroom, okay? Now, that sense of evidence relies on induction, okay? When I say there is a horse in my bathroom, that's not relying on induction. It's relying on my concept of horse, right? If I say there is a horse in my bathroom, I'm taking what I mean by horse, like hooves, body, warm-blooded, organs, friendly, whatever, okay, fur, that's my concept. And then I'm making I'm generating the predictions from my concept onto the real world as it is. Okay. But with respect to the proposition there was a horse in my bathroom, okay, it's not going that way anymore. I can't rely on my concept of force to generate predictions to, to confirm or falsify that particular proposition because it's in the past. So what I have to do is rely on my past experiences of Horses and what they, the mess they leave behind, right? In my experience, every time a horse goes around it, 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 it craps everywhere, right? So I might expect that there's, you know, feces on my bathroom, um, uh, floor, right? So the idea is that I'm relying on prior experiences with the thing to generate those predictions rather than the meanings of, or the concept in, in the proposition horse. Okay. So, um, the idea here to, to sort of conclude is that um, when we're talking about God, okay, evidence for God, a, if you're talking about the, the the first sense of evidence that I give, where you're deriving um, from your concept of God a set of predictions, nowhere do you derive from the, my concept of God. If we're if we're taking a Christian monotheistic God, we're talking about a God that's all powerful, all knowing, all good. Um, you know, you can attribute other properties, depend like aseity and stuff. But the idea is that all those properties don't generate that he would, um, that you would see other minds. After all, God was not forced to create other minds. He could have just as well been content not creating. Okay, presumably was a free action. In other words, okay. So that's to say that your concept of God doesn't get you to their fact. There will be minds. So now you can't use that, uh, that concept of evidence there. You're going to have to use the other one if you're going to make sense of evidence, but there's a problem with that, right? The other concept of evidence, the other sense of evidence that I was using Im- invoked past experiences. I think if I'm kind of entertaining there was a horse in my bathroom, okay, um, I'm entertaining that it, there might be hair and hoof prints and, and feces all over my bathroom, right? If it was there, um, that's based on past experiences, but I have no one has no no one. No one has any past experiences of God creating minds. That seems to be brought upon assumption, right? Um, I, I mean, unless you can, you know, verify that that we've, we've seen God create minds, which I don't think we can verify such a thing, um, I think that, that you can't use that sense of evidence either. So in conclusion, there can't be, evidence for for god and if there can't be evidence for god minds don't count as evidence for god
0: all right that's thank it, you sir. both for those openings and rebuttals appreciate you both all right so now we're going to jump into the favorite part of every debate which is the open discussion or cross examination. so we have about a 40-minute cross examination. audience as these guys are interacting make sure you get your questions in because there will be a q a at the end of all this all right so that's it you two have the floor um for 40 minutes
2: All right, Danny, you stupid idiot. No, I'm kidding. That's just a joke on Marlon. <laughs> no, not going there at all. Um, yeah, so with predictions, I mean, I guess if you don't mind me kicking it off, um, just because, just like as you said, to try to highlight our disagreement here. Um, obviously, when we're talking about a free agent, as you talked about, I agree God could have not created a universe at all and just remained in timeless, you know, an eternal love relationship in the Trinity. Um, so... When we're talking about a free agent, I think predictions are a uh, quite. It's it's a it would be a weird way to to go. I think if I think you and I would probably agree when atheists insist that's the only kind of evidence you could have for God. That that's kind of a non-starter, right? Because how how could you possibly predict what a free agent would do? Um, and that's
1: exactly yeah, that's my view. The I, there's a, a philosopher that I follow who th- who 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 basically puts it this way that you you can't make falsifying an intentional state is hard to do because everything that you're, you're looking at is consistent with some kind of the intentional state failing or, or some other intentional state succeeding. So we don't really think uh, in terms of falsifying intentional states, because like, if I'm, I know that sounds complicated, but I guess what I'm trying to say is something like, um, if, you were wondering whether um, I, I was I wanted to drink water. Okay, the fact that my water bottle is full does not falsify my desire for water. It could be that I'm failing, for instance, to drink the water. And so, falsifying an intentional state like a desire or a belief names a very it's an interesting challenge that is not. Uh, true in falsifying specific uh, material states or um, physical states right because the notion of success or failure and competing desires and these such sorts of things are invoked and they're like and there's all sorts of like consistency relations that that y- uh, you know you could account for such that you couldn't really falsify um you know a particular desire in a technical sense right but um yeah so i want to agree i wanted to say that i'm sorry i did i might have cut you off but what was that okay
2: no 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 yeah sure no i was just seeing if we agreed on on that point um Mm -hmm. because and then you talked about the reverse one and you said we do have um you know past experiences of horses doing things like leaving behind manure or hoof prints or something but we don't necessarily have past experience of god creating minds um but of of, of course if my argument is successful you know then it, it just does conclude that god is the explanation of our minds and would be the explanation of all the past minds that came before us
1: okay um so let's let me grant the argument for a second okay if i if you're yeah. giving an argument right then there's got to be some kind of necessity to it um because the idea is that you're ba- you're using logical truths about the the, no- the nature of mind the nature of god the nature of causation and explanation To derive your conclusion, right? But if it's an a priori argument, if it's a deductive argument, okay, then evidence just doesn't factor in at all, right? In other words, I could grant you that your argument to say that God necessarily uh, explains our minds, but if 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 the word necessary is there, right, that means it's Deductive and and there's a lot. You've you've uh, deduced a logical truth, okay. And if you're deducing a logical truth, evidence doesn't even come into the picture. It's like having evidence for the square. You know, it's having evidence for a bachelor is is a bachelor. That doesn't make any sense. You can just uh, you know, it's the law of identity. It's necessarily true. It's a logical truth, okay. So in other words, is I could gr- I could grant your argument, and I could be wrong about God explaining minds, right? But then I think then it just it would, you're out of the purview of evidence. Um,
2: I don't think so. I mean, I think if uh, you, for example, let's say you ask me, why is God necessary? I, I might be kind of stuck in a position where I have to say, well, that, that's just the definition of God, that he just necessarily exists. And in that sense, it would be analogous to the married bachelor, right? Because we wouldn't say mm-hmm. that someone not being married is a cause and then them being a bachelor is an effect, right? They're not to these two separate events. It's just like, well, no, it's just, it's, it's just they both kind of share a definition there. Whereas, whereas I'm not talking just the nature of God and this necessity, I'm saying that there is a cause, God, and then an effect, our minds, and the role of the evidence would show, for example, the evidence you would agree with that our minds exist and are not merely the same thing as our brains. Because yeah, like if it someone could show uh, that our minds I, just are our brains, I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, um, no, 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 no. I arrived—I didn't mean to, to interrupt. Um, I didn't—I I, I arrived at that deductively. I think that minds are necessarily non-natural, on my view, okay? What I—I I have not given evidence to anyone to to accept that, right? I can only give an argument. You see, and maybe we're talking past each other, but a lot of people distinguish between argumentation and evidence, Right? No one says that there's evidence for the square root of nine being three. No one says there's evidence okay. that if a if a is b and b is c, therefore a is c. Evidence doesn't factor into the sort of conclusions, right? Evidence is an a is an a posteriori concept, okay? And if it's a posteriori, it's um it's uh in, I guess empirical in a sense, right? That you're using your experience and you're making an inference to an explanation. But if your argument is deductive, a priori, based on the meaning of God and the mind and the nature of the mind and the meaning of the mind, right? You talked about, for, I agree with you, first person, third person distinction. The, the notion of subjectivity and you know qualia being yours and no one else's, that it can't be in principle in the third person point of view, right? I'm right there with you, but to me, these are mm-hmm. all logical truths, okay? Okay. And so, what I'm trying to say is that if you've come to your conclusion in a kind of a logical, philosophical manner, rather than in the way where how evidence works is that you you look at a thing, you experience a thing, and then you come to a conclusion, right? Um, then, if you're doing the former, I just think that suddenly evidence just doesn't matter anymore.
2: Um. I mean, I think maybe to, to go back to something you said earlier, evidence certainly can be confirmatory, right? So, like, um, I, I tend to agree with you, right? For, like, to, to use an example Frank Turek uses, like, if a neuroscientist is trying to say our minds are just the brain, well, he's actually presupposing he has a mind because then he's looking at the evidence and making free choices to, you know, interpret the evidence and say it, it brings him to one conclusion or the other. So, I do tend to agree with you that a lot of this stuff is kind of just definition, definitionally true. Mm-hmm. Um, and evidence, I would say, is confirmatory of that. When we have evidence that you know the mind causes changes in the brain, um, that it's, it's confirmatory of that. Kind of I mean, it,
1: it's not any kind of confirmation. It's in it's a posteriori confirmation, right? Okay. There's the kind of confirmation that A is C given that A is B. Oh, sorry, that A is B and B is C. Right. If I give a a, a tran- mm-hmm. transitive property. Right. A is A is B. B is C. and I can, I can confirm that then therefore ASC right? But that's not the same kind of confirm confirmation that if I look in the bathroom and there's horse hair all over the floor that I've confirmed there was a horse in my bathroom, right? That's a posteriori that's understood in terms of predictions, induction, and, and, um, evidence, right? And I, I'm Mm -hmm. just saying that I think that Um, there's two ways I can go about this, right? And I think the way I've gone about it is that let me just grant you that God explains minds, okay? Okay. I'm saying that you can prove that in a philosophical manner, but the second that you do, you've taken the subject out of the a posteriori category. And so where evidence is in, evidence is in the a posteriori category, okay? And I'm saying that therefore, there's a sense in which, okay, you proved that God explains minds, but that doesn't mean that minds are evidence for God.
2: Um, okay. Like okay. Saying, okay like, so, listen. Go ahead. Fair enough. But then this this be no no. Give your example. I'm sorry.
1: No no. I, I interrupted you. Go ahead.
2: Oh, okay. No, it's okay. Um. Well, so again, if if I take evidence as reason to believe something, I think the an example Joe Schmidt uh, uses is, um. And I don't wanna be guilty of bringing in uh, another argument here. So I'm merely oh, using it as an example.
1: But I like arguments, I like arguments. <laughs> be guilty of
2: that. <laughs> um, but you know, he'll talk about the existence of moral agents is a reason to believe that a God exists over some kind of indifference principle like atheism, right? Even if you can explain them on atheism, that doesn't seem at first glance to totally be compatible there. Um, and likewise, I would say the existence of minds, even if you, even if I go with you and say, okay, fine, these we just have minds by definition, right? Because in order to try to conclude anything other than we have minds, we'd be using our minds to do it. Um, okay, fine. But I would take the fact that we have minds as reason to believe there's a God out there because He would create our minds, and I would take that to be evidence for God.
1: Okay, so you define evidence as reason to believe. Okay, and I'm saying that that's that's a very watered definition of evidence because it seems like that notion of evidence would apply to logical truths. Like, it's not like the premises are evidence for the conclusion when we're giving a transitivity law, right? So, a is b, b is c, therefore a is c. There's no sense of evidence that really applies to that, although we have a reason to believe that a is c. And I'm look, it, it, this seems like to me a terminological dispute between you and me and terminological disputes are very boring right we can just i can just adopt your um your definition of evidence i'm just saying that the notion of evidence as i understood it is something like that either that which uh, the predictions that are generated from past experiences so induction right or inference to the best explanation that's got that kind of line of reasoning or that which is predicted or expected given I, a proposition being true. I gave the horse example, right? There's a horse in my bathroom. Mm-hmm. I derive what I can see get in the bathroom, right? It's all a posteriori. Now, if you want to just use evidence in the sense that I have any reason to believe that God explains why we have minds, I'm fine with changing the topic to that.
2: Okay, well, I mean, look, I certainly don't want to be, you're, you're certainly more, uh, and I'm not just, you know, this isn't empty flattery. You're certainly more philosophically astute than I am. You know, I'm not, and so you could easily have definitions right. I could easily have definitions wrong. This is, um, you know, I'm I'm going off. I'm using Joe Schmidt's definition because he's a friend of mine. He's a good thinker. I I admire him. Um, well, just use to the me, I think something. Okay, we can well, so maybe you could tell me where we disagree. Sure. So tell me where you disagree okay. here then, because you've given the example. Well, well, can you repeat it? If A is B and B is C, then A is C. Is that the example?
1: Yeah. If I, so if I give a transitivity, if I say, you know, Socrates is mortal, um, sorry, Socrates is human, humans are mortal, therefore Socrates is mortal, I haven't talked about evidence. That's true. That's true. Right. The conclusion it follows, right? And in fact, that, that's yeah. a, a that, that we can say it's true that we have a valid argument. And it may be that there's no Socrates in the world, that there are no human beings in the world. That's going to be true. Sure. ever that the, the and that conclusion will be true in, across all possible worlds all right possible. And yeah. we have a reason to believe that but notice we're not really talking about evidence okay and so I'm fine with saying we can change the topic to um do we have a reason to believe that God um creates minds and then you provided an argument where you're comparing um a world with uh with God and a world sorry a a, wor- a world in which there's no of uh, no foundational mind right in a world where there's a foundational mm-hmm. mind and we would predict that in a where if there's other non-foundational minds it would have to be in a world where there's a foundational mind right that's what you want to say right Yeah. that's kind of like the essence of your yes. argument and so i'm having a hard time um understanding why i should accept this given that we've con- we've con- concluded that in my sense of evidence the, the minds are not generated from the, the concept of a foundational mind, a.k.a. God, right? The idea is that okay. there being minds and no minds is consistent with God's existence. So I, I guess if you could go over your argument another, another, one, uh, another time, because I sure. didn't really catch why I should have accepted one of these premises.
2: Okay, so so a couple of things. So when we're talking about things that are true by definition, like Socrates is a man, Socrates is a man is mortal, therefore Socrates is mortal. These are things that are true by definition. I'm not giving, in my argument is not the form of A is B, B is C, therefore A is C. My argument is if A, then C, if B, then not C, C, therefore C is evidence for A, right? They're separate things. They're not just like the same part of one definition right and so for example you say minds or no minds are consistent with god fair enough but i wouldn't grant the the inverse of that which is both no minds and minds are consistent with no god that that's my that's our disagreement
1: disagreement, right um so i want to know um why okay i want to know the first thing in your argument i didn't really grasp it so maybe this might help um is it a deductive argument is it is it true is it nece- Is the conclusion necessarily true?
2: Um, it, it, it's funny. I was wrestling with that in preparation, okay. trying to figure out: do I do I want do I want to make this a deductive argument? Do I want to make it an abductive argument? It, I mean, and I'm, I, pr- I promise I'm not trying to be squirmy here and av- avoid the question because it was something I was, was... Gen- genuinely wrestling with. Um, as I was looking back over it after I'd written it down, it seemed that it was kind of an abductive argument, but. In a way where it ruled out all the other possible explanations, and so I guess in that sense you could say it's deductive, in the sense that I'm basically saying here's all here's A, B, and C as a possible explanation for D. B and C can't be explanations, therefore A must be the explanation.
1: Okay, so it it doesn't seem to be necessarily true, which means that it's not. Um, seems like it's going to be an inductive argument then. Right, and and I'm, I'm abduction. Okay with that. Is I mean, I
2: do see. Go ahead go ahead no so it's oh, well, okay i mean it's, it's not as i'm not saying i mean here's the thing i'm open to because again i i said at the beginning that i i recognize mm-hmm. that you're not a naturalist so this isn't a dichotomy between theism and naturalism right i'm open to you providing some other explanation of how we can explain minds and so you can say in that sense my argument is inductive because it doesn't rule that out but in, in a sense it's deductive in the sense that it does opposing mind hypotheses and non-mind hypotheses and my argument is that no mind hypotheses can explain the existence of mind and so what we are left with is the mind hypothesis
1: yeah so uh let me be the first one to like kind of level with you here i think that um there it seems to be i have this intuition that there is this like uh explanation and i really don't know my my end you're asking me why is it that I have a mind? Why is it that you'll have a mind? You wanna say, God. And I just, I'm like, look, it's a weird question. We have, I don't have any clue, okay? But I'm not ruling out, right? That there's a materialistic explanation, not, not a scientific one, right? Because I do know that the mental and the physical interacts, giving the alcohol example. I know that mentality okay. interacts with the physical. There's a causal relation sometimes, okay? And I so I can't say that it's impossible, it's impossible that the material world does somehow account for why we have minds, but in, although albeit not in a law like way, where there's natural laws about minds and, and bodies and such, okay? And that's what I that's what I mean by scientific um, theory, I suppose. But um, I'm I'm right there with you. Like I if I were a theist, I'd be like, well, of course God explains this, right? But I'm just saying that. W- if I don't see the necessity in God explaining the mind, because as long as as it's possible for the physical and the mental to interact or causally. And if it can interact causally, I don't see why it would be impossible that the physical can cause the non-natural mental um the mind. Right. And as long as that's hmm. possible, I am agnostic actually to how okay. exactly minds are um come about. I think it's a weird question. I I it's an it's kind of an existential angst of mine, right? And I'm I'm jealous of you, right? The, because it fits really well in the theistic framework because it's the, the on the theistic framework, especially Christian monotheism, everything is explained by God. Right? The idea is that there the 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 physical world, the mental world that we are, the human beings, angels, all God created all of these. Okay. Uh, And, but I take that to be kind of theological truth. I don't think that can be established philosophically.
2: I mean, I, and and this might just be a disagreement between us. I mean, I would, you know, rely on the work of guys much smarter than me, William and Craig, who have done the philosophical legwork in you know, providing Mm -hmm. philosophical evidences for this to be the case. Um, And I guess, yeah, this would come down to a disagreement between us. I do see it you know, I mean, often people appeal to kind of, like like you are, that there, there could be potentially some way that the material creates consciousness, and so long as that's a possibility on the table. That's why I tried to give an argument for why that couldn't um, possibility, or that couldn't potentially be true. Um, and so I guess what I would wonder from you, because, you know, I have provided an explanation. I think I've provided a good, I think I've argued for the explanation. I haven't just kind of asserted blankly, well, and naturalists haven't really given us an answer, so I'm just going to go with God because I'm already a Christian, and that's what I believe. I, I think I've given given a better argument for that. Um, I guess here, so. Here's a question I have for you. Maybe this can just serve as a clarifying question. Um, how do you explain if it if it is the case that the material is a is a sufficient and necessary explanation for our minds? How do you then make sense of mental causation?
1: Well, I don't. Okay how is it that my mental state, let's say, desire, a desire to drink water, um, you know, brings about the state in which I ra- pick up the glass of water? I think that that's going to be irreducible. Um, there's not going to be a further—I mean, otherwise, you get an infinite number of regress, uh, an, infin- uh, an infinite regress, right, of explanations. So there's going to be a point in which A causes B and there's no further explanation. So on, on my view, when the mental— When my desire interacts with my body, there's not going to be a further explanation for why that happens, right? Otherwise, you just get Mm -hmm. infinite regress of explanations, right? So, um, I I mean, I think it's kind of simple in that way. Um, But I think that what I—here, maybe this might clarify. Do you think it's impossible that your mind is explained by um, non-mental phenomena?
2: I, I don't know. I don't think that's possible. You don't think it's
1: impossible? Okay, so that means that there's a world uh, in I, which I, no, your
2: mind. I'm, I'm sorry, I, maybe I misunderstood. How did you ask that? Because I don't want to, because it sounds like you, I said possible, and then you said impossible. You think, so I want to make sure that we get this right before we go on.
1: Yeah, this might, this might help our conversation. Do you think it's impossible that your mind is explained by non-mental phenomena?
2: Yes, I do think that is impossible
1: impossible. That means there's a contradiction on my view, right? There's a contradiction when I say that um it's uh, that it, it my there's something wrong with my belief that it's possible that the mind can is explained by some non-mental phenomena. Okay. And so I, I would mm-hmm. I just don't see the contradiction. What's the contradiction in saying that my mind is explained by non-mental phenomena?
2: Well, I, th- I think the contradiction would lie and we'd be forced to conclude that certain attributes of our mind are illusory. And I think, so for example, free will. I think if, if our minds are reducible to brains and non-mental aspects of reality, then you can't have such a thing as free will. And if free will is indeed illusory, that results in a contradiction because we're having a conversation right now trying to freely decide what's the best explanation of minds.
1: I think you misunderstood my question, right? I, I'm I'm saying oh, I'm giving a cause-effect relation, right? I, let me agree with you okay. that if our mental states, like desires and beliefs, are reducible to physical states like brain states, free will goes out the window. I'm right there with you, high five, okay? Where I'm not with you is that if a desire is caused by a physical state, that therefore that desire is not free, Okay. That because I, I I mean that that's where because after all right um, if I were if you were to um, I don't know drink some caffeine and that somehow explains why you desired to run five miles right I don't think your free will was violated although notice that we can explain what happened sure. in terms of you drinking too much caffeine which is a physical non-mental phenomenon okay so i just don't see a contradiction in saying that my mental phenomena is explained by my by so not my mind but sorry that that mentality is explained by non-mental phenomena like physical states
2: sure but it wouldn't be solely explained by my non-mental phenomena like the example you just gave part of the explanation Yes, is in the cat drinking of the caffeine and then part of the explanation is further in whatever that does to the chemical makeup of my brain um, and then how that interacts with my desire to not run or not run. But that wouldn't be the fullness of the explanation. Part of the explanation would be I freely chose to run. And if likewise we tried to reduce that to more physical chemical states in the brain, like just the fact that caffeine molecules affected things and made me hyper, then that would negate free choice if all of it got reduced that way. But as yeah, not with- all of it gets reduced, then you're not left with just a physical explanation.
1: Yeah, I'm 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 right with you on the the lat- latter part. Once again, if I if somehow someone tells me that my desires are just a bunch of chemicals, right? I just think that destroys free will. I'm I'm right there with you. Cool. What I'm wondering is that um, when you say your freedom explains, um, I, I I'm wondering if that's even relevant um because i disagree with that i don't think free will explains choices i think choices are free in themselves my view is that free will is constitutive of choice okay meaning well, perhaps that if there's I a choice, have
2: perhaps i should have just said my decision to do it is part of the explanation for why i do it
1: yeah but but that that's that that does that's a non-explanation on my view that's like saying i did it because i i I was free. you think if I do something that, that, that in terms of why I did that action rather than another, is going to be, um, that a good explanation will be the fact that I was free,
2: not the fact that I was free, but the fact that I chose to and built into that choice is freedom. So for example, if okay. there's a difference between a choice to run or not to run, and we're agreeing that the difference in the two choices cannot be something that's reduced to just physical brain states then the explanation Mm -hmm. has to lie in something outside just physical brain states and what is that going to be well that's going to be my choice to either run or to not run
1: no it would just be my desire my reason to to run rather than not run look this is this is what i you're saying something like this to me um are you saying that if i if you chose to do a rather than b let's say you chose to run instead of swim Okay, okay, you want to say that's explained by your free will. I'm saying that that doesn't really explain anything. Rather, my if 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 let's say you said something like, Well, I chose to run instead of swim because I didn't want to get wet, that is a explanation because it's contrastive, okay? Because if you had chosen to swim rather than run, you would have invoked the same explanation that you were free so on both hypotheticals the hypothetical in which you uh ran and the hypothetical in which you swam um it can't be that the common factor which is the fact that you were free in both cases explains why you did one over the other
2: well i i would think that can be because when you say something, when, when you say something like, I'm sorry, I have some words pre-programmed in my brain. I say them all the time and I don't need to. When you say what oh, you just said, which is- if
1: they were pre-programmed, they were free, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no. <laughs> when you say, I freely chose to run because I didn't want to get wet, right? The question is, is my desire to not get wet determining my choice? And if it's determining my choice, then we can't say it's free in any meaningful sense, which you and I both do want to affirm that it's free. Like, would we agree that it's possible that I could not want to get wet, but maybe I have another reason, like, um, but swimming is more fun and maybe it, it gets better exercise and builds your muscles more. And there I have desires pulling me in different directions, and I am an agent that is capable of evaluating those desires and then making a choice rather than saying something like Tom jump would want to say, and we'd want to dis- both want to disagree with him, which is, well, one of those desires at some point has to get 51% over the 49, and therefore it somehow determines your choice. Cause it seems to me we're stuck with either saying, well, the determines the choice or the choice is free.
1: Okay, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna respond very as quickly as I can, because I'm scared that we're digressing into a, a conversation about the nature of free will. Um, sure, fair but enough. I, very briefly in response left, to you, yeah. very, very briefly, um, uh, I, I just think that um, I don't take a, I understand determined any, every explanation is, a, is, is, is um, compatible with saying that there's a, something was determined, right? So if X explains Y, X determines Y. Okay. Okay. And so that, that's the, and, and if that's true, then there's a really big problem for the incompatibilist I mean, specifically the libertarian free will, the metaphysical libertarian, okay, who thinks uh, that what it means, yeah, yeah, I'm putting my hand down for that one, I'm not a, I, it's,
2: no, fair enough, yeah, you Uh, and I come to a disagreement there. There There could
1: be a debate about that, and I'm scared, but the point is is Mm -hmm. that I want to say that my reasons explain why I do one thing over another, and if it's the case that determined means explanation, then my, yeah, I'm determined to do A over B, but I was still free because I could have, you know, I could have a different, my, my reasons could have weighed on differently on me in some other world or some other hypothetical, but that's, that's compatibilism. I understand that you're not a compatibilist and we could have a debate about that. Um, If you want to, if you want to respond to that's fine, but maybe we should get back to yeah. exactly, yeah. Fair
2: enough. I just I would just briefly want to make a point that you're not going to agree with, and you know I know a lot of compatibilists have a problem with me saying this. I don't see how that would be relevantly different from determinism, because if you said, well, in some other possible world I could have had different desires that pulled me in a different direction. Well, we're not in that other possible world. We're in this possible world where you have the desires you have, and if those desires weren't up to you, if we go back to a materialistic explanation, if there's a materialist explanation for your desires and they weren't up to you, then I don't think you're free in a meaningful sense. But you know maybe yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm i i could there.
1: respond okay you this is you it's <laughs> so All juicy right, i oh, love this topic yeah, let, let's go ahead and get back on that uh yeah that, it's, that a topic. Topic. it's a juicy Can topic it's a juicy topic so yeah go ahead you go
2: i mean so i, I want to bring up something that might seem out of left field although i did prepare to talk about it and it might be something where you know you'd have perspective that's very fresh to me and and would you know inform me on some things it seem it might seem like it's radically off topic. I don't think so because the k- kind of where we've come to the meat of our disagreement is you see it at least as a possible explanation that material material reality could give rise to brain minds, and I I don't see that as the case. And it would seem to me that um, if you were to argue that, then you couldn't have something like a, a mind detached from the brain, right? If if the mind's explanation lies ultimately in materials then the materials are the necessary explanation, right? And we've kind of gone over why I don't think mental causation makes sense in that context, but I would wanna talk about near-death experiences and say that this at least provides an example where Mm -hmm. minds can have experiences that are not completely dependent on a brain. um, And therefore, Mm -hmm. if minds therefore aren't necessarily connected to a brain, then I don't see any reason to believe that uh, the material could be a, a, a sufficient explanation for minds.
1: Okay, well, first of all, I'm right there with you. I don't think brains necessarily do anything um, unless okay. you're invoking a natural law, okay? If There are no natural law of brains. There are natural laws of protons and electrons and quarks. I don't know anything about it, but the point is, is that you know you can reduce brains to those things, and there's laws about how those things behave, but there are no laws of brains, okay? And, and because there are no laws of brains, there's no laws about you know, mind, if it's the case that the brain so happens to cause, um, a mind, uh, your question about disembodied minds. Um, I, mm. I am, in, I'm inclined to think there are problems with disembodied minds. Um, okay. but I can be easily convinced, oh, if, if my problems could be met, but I think there are immaterial to the discussion. I can grant, um, the coherence of disembodied minds, for our for our for our debate, and so I'm. Um, if we're going back, did you wanna did you wanna try to tie in tie what your your question to the debate topic, or do you want me to try to?
2: Um, well, I mean, so I'll, I'll say what I think it is, and then maybe you can clarify if you think there's a better way of of getting at it. Um, mm-hmm. To me, if we're saying it's possible that materialism can provide an adequate explanation with no mind attributes included at, at all for minds, then I don't see how how material material reality could give rise to a kind of mind that could then detach itself from that material, if that makes sense. Oh Well,
1: there would have to be, I don't see the contradiction. I mean, look, we, look let's start from where we agree. So now we're back on topic. We agree that the mo- mental states and physical states interact and cause each other. Mental states also cause yes. other mental states, right? Okay, so mm-hmm. it's not crazy to say that a physical state causes a mental state. Okay, and this is part of my, why I don't think it's the craziest thing, that physicality causes mentality. Okay, to me that's I don't no think that's a
2: crazy statement either. I agree with that statement.
1: Well, that to me, what's, when someone is saying that the physical it explains the mind, to me I'm just hearing physicality explains mentality. I'm just saying that if that happens, it's not governed by a natural law. Okay. Like, just like there are no laws of brains, there are no laws of bodies and minds. Okay. Woody from Toy Story had a mind, but presumably his body was plastic, right? And it was perfectly coherent to attribute a mind to Woody. Okay. No contradiction. Okay. There are no laws of what kind of body you must have to have a mind, right? After all,
2: I think. Sorry, sorry, I'm interrupting. Keep going.
1: No, 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 no. No, go ahead.
2: No, no, I don't, I don't, I I don't do this. the be the I, I, um, So, I think there would be a contradiction if someone tried to give an ontology of how plastic could give rise to a mind inside of Woody. Like,
1: it's not going to be I an agree. interesting it's, it's story. Hold on. It's just not going to be an interesting story. All they're going to say is something like, if oh, look, it's the case that this plastic thing, this plastic state led to this mental state and it didn't happen because of some law, natural law. That's the end of the story. There's no more extra okay, how does so, that happen. So, There's no further mechanism.
2: Okay, so I think you So you and I agree. So I, that's a p- point I want to agree with and I wasn't sure if we would, right? Because obviously, you know, some naturalists would say, no, minds." and our brains like have to you know they're two sides of the same coin right something like that you have to have them together you're saying something that i actually uh, agree with right is that well minds aren't necessitated by the particular say brain structure we have for example then you couldn't have people born without brains that have consciousness so you and i are agreeing there so my argument is okay we have these immaterial minds and they cannot be explained by just the plastic or just the brains. Therefore, the explanation has to be in something that has mental properties because the plastic is not Can you repeat that? explain the mind, nor is the brain state. Uh, Can you repeat yeah, the last two sentences?
1: Yeah, just the last two sentences. You're, this, I heard, yeah, go ahead.
2: So I'm saying we agree we have these immaterial minds and okay. they're not necessarily dependent on just brains. Nor they're are they not necessarily, necessarily cause. Depend-
1: dependency relation is tricky. Dependency relation could like um, you know you could have dependency relations that th- they're non non causal. It gets tricky. Okay. So I'm saying that the brain can cause mental mental states. I think you can you agree to that. I'm saying there's no necess- yes. necessity with respect to that.
2: Okay, so yeah, we agree. And then maybe part of this is maybe I'm misusing certain words like if, if cause or dependency. I want to be careful what I'm saying. I'm not saying, again, and I think I said this in my opening, of course I fall on grant there are causal relationships between the brain and consciousness, right? What I'm saying is that that is not the entire story. If the entirety of the story is all we have is brains and that explains all of the consciousness, I'm saying that's what doesn't work right and that's why i'm saying the mind can't be completely reducible to the brain it can't be completely reducible to the plastic of woody therefore if woody has a mind or we have a mind the mind has to have an explanation elsewhere beyond just the plastic or the plastic or the, the brain makeup
1: but why right why can't i just say look there's this physical state of the world that caused you to have a mind end of story i don't see a contradiction
2: because I, well, you would have to provide at least some potential mechanism for how that could happen. It's Why? Like it's Why like, should
1: I? I That's the end like, of the story.
2: Well, no, it's like saying I don't see a contradiction between saying the rock just gives rise to water pouring from it,
1: right? No, I no, think we intuitively we're dealing with mentality, mentality. here. Look, like, I just sure. use a God example, right? Look, God, when God desired to uh, for the universe to be to, to to when when he created ex nihilo right if some mm-hmm. atheist right came in and says well what's the mechanism between god's desire and the material world following during creation why should the theist care look, he's, it's just very simple look it's a very simple story mister atheist the god god spoke and god desired and then voila material world mm-hmm. ex nihilo yes no further mechanism. It's the same. Well, I don't see why the atheist can say the same thing. The non-naturalist atheist could say the exact same thing. You had a physical world, except it's backwards. Now you have the material world. Then suddenly you had a mind as a result or it, by from the state of the of that material world. Now it's not governed by natural mm-hmm. laws, so it's non-natural causation, right? But nonetheless, what? you don't need a further component or further mechanism, a.k.a. God.
2: Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give a reason for why I think you do, and I'm gonna use another example from Josh Rasmussen's book. So giving him okay. the credit for what I'm the argument I'm about to make. So this is an area where I think the problem that we're trying to explain, right, the construction problem, has a way of disguising itself in our familiar experience, right? So for example, when you say yes, God can just create the material world, which I'm an idealist, so that might take on a different form for me. But essentially, mm-hmm. yes, because God possesses all the essential building blocks. and and the resources for building that material world. So you can have a direct one-to-one. But an example where a rock by itself does not possess all the necessary components to give rise to water. And so an example Josh Rasmussen gives is, suppose we're watching a cartoon, right? And we see the character's mouths moving and sounds are coming out. And when we're so engrossed in the cartoon, because of our familiar experience of people talking and their mouths moving and making sounds, if we're so engrossed, we can be compelled to think, well, that the cartoon characters are actually making sounds. But then when we reflect on it, we go, oh no, wait a minute, pixels on a TV screen are insufficient to give rise to sounds. We realize there's something else going on behind the scenes because the resources for the sounds don't exist merely in the pixels. So when you give the example of God creating a universe, yes, you can have a one-to-one correlation there because all the resources for the universe lie in God. But when we're, my my whole argument here is that when we're trying to explain consciousness or minds, you don't have all the resources in a, in just material reality. So there has to be something else going on behind the scenes.
1: Yeah, I I guess it Nate, I, we're running out of time, but uh, to briefly respond in 40 seconds, um, very the, my quickest response is something like look i'm just saying that could a physical state of the world have the same sort of necessary conditions such that uh, n- remember necessary conditions is not the same thing as necessitates causally okay so I want to distinguish that. Okay. The idea is that uh, because God had the necessary conditions in order to bring about the universe, but it's not like he the universe exists necessarily because of God. God could have not created. Okay. But I just don't understand why a physical state can maintain the exact same necessary conditions that are true of God, such that it brings about minds. I just don't. I don't see a contradiction there because uh, I think what's apparent to me. Is that you nor i know know those necessary conditions um that are present in god such that minds exist nor do i know the necessary conditions that physicality possesses such that minds uh are now the are are in are an effect but i think that's where i would conclude
0: all right guys good stuff man great discussion and I knew I picked the right mm-hmm. thing to allow you guys to have an open discussion man you guys are very cordial yeah. you know a couple of incidental interruptions but that's probably due to the delay uh, internet sucks sometimes like that but I appreciate mm-hmm. you guys yeah. for an open discussion yeah. so now we're going to transition to closing remarks man and uh, once again audience if you have questions get them in now because once we start Q&A I will only take the bundle of questions that I've been saving to the side so far so make sure you get them in before the closing statements end. With that said uh, Stillman you're up for your close five-minute closing
2: sure um and seriously thank you dan like i said at the beginning it's been a pleasure getting to know you over the past couple of weeks you know i recently watched a debate my friend david Paulman had um with and i can't remember the guy's name so it may, it may be better, but the guy was so rude and and then like pretended to get offended at the end when david Paulman, like marlon just said we had an incidental interruption even though he had treated him so rudely and and those kind of discussions you know i, I You know, there's there's a time and the place for them. You know, this is the kind of people you make an example of. But but Danny, I I would consider a friend, and uh, is the kind of guy that I love to sit down and talk to because I I I don't feel like I'm defensively like kind of defending my ideas. You know, it's like I think we're building something new together. We're seeking truth together, and there's there's such great value in that. Um, And even conversations we've had privately, he's changed my mind on some things, and so I definitely really appreciate that. I guess i don't have too much to say in closing i do want to thank josh rasmussen not only for his work but for exchanging some emails with me and helping me prepare i want to thank david palman for helping me prepare um inevitably i'm going to forget a name here which is going to make me feel bad Um, but my friend uh daniel james hole has spent countless hours with me writing going through you know pressing me on things i need to sharpen up and get better at um so i really do appreciate all the people that have that have you know helped me um prepare for today um I guess two main things is, um, Danny said he doesn't know the explanation of minds, um, but he doesn't see a contradiction saying that, you know, the brain could potentially produce minds, and I would say, listen, fair enough, you know, I'm not going to demand that either you know and have an answer or you lose the debate. I wouldn't say something like that. But I I do think I have provided an explanation, and it's not merely a God of the gaps argument. It's not just saying, well, Danny doesn't know, therefore I'm going to fill in the gap in our knowledge with God. No, I think I've given a good argument, good reasons to think that a foundational, necessary, independent mind um, is the... Explanation for why any contingent minds like ours exist, and in the absence of a better argument, I do th- I think that holds, um, and I I guess I just disagree. I, I do see um, a serious problem with saying uh, materials anything that is not any kind of non mind aspects of reality are the wrong materials. Again, people can go back to my opening. Um, I gave an argument for again intuitively we know no matter what. Materials we have access to to build a robot will never get first-person awareness, qualia, or free will. Um, And I, and and, and it just is. And maybe Danny can respond to this in his closing. It seems to me. I don't want to say a contradiction, but I I don't know how you merge these two ideas together, where you say the mind isn't dependent on the brain because there's a coherence in a mind existing in in a plastic toy. But then, on the other hand, say it's a coherent idea for the mind to produce, or I'm sorry, for the brain to produce a mind. How can the brain produce something if it doesn't have any of the aspects that we're talking about? Right? It, not, nothing in physical reality has qualia, direct access, free will, or even an argument. Danny likes to use intentionality. That's a, that's a big one. I, I kind of left that out because I knew how heavily we agreed on it. Um, and all of a sudden, you give rise to this new thing and then you could just pluck that new thing out we could have talked about near-death experiences stick it in a plastic toy to me that just i i don't see any reason to think that could be the case Uh, i think my headphone is dying um that completely interrupted my train of thought sorry my headphone just beeped and um yeah I, i think i gave an argument for why certain constructions are impossible and i think trying to construct first person mental attributes um, out of purely third-person aspects of reality is an impossible construction. And I think um, a foundational mind hypothesis solves the problem. And so I'm willing to stand on the arguments I've made. And uh, yeah, with that, I don't really know what more to talk about in my last minute. So I'll, I'll concede that we can give more time to questions.
0: All right, thank you so much, Stillman, for that closing remark. All right, uh, Danny, you're up for your five-minute closing.
1: All right. Um, so, very briefly, in response, um, the idea is that when you have a cause effect, the properties of the effect don't need to show up in the properties of the cause. Right? The idea is that um, if I strike a match and I cause something to burn into ashes, the ashes being the effect, right? The match is in the in the ashes don't share all their properties and after all they're not identical okay and so yes it might it, it and and i mean there are plenty of explanations that i think Stelman would accept alcohol causes me to have a certain qualitative experience but the alcohol has no um of the none of those properties that my qualitative experiential state has right so it's not a problem to invoke an explanation or cause that possesses none of the qualities of the effect. Okay. This is only a problem. I think Stellman's argument w- works towards people that are trying to identify a mental state and a, um, and a brain state, or at least say that there's some kind of weird dependency, supervenient, emergent relation between the two, like H2O and clearness of water. Right. Um, I'm right there with you, uh, Stelman, but I think that Um, the properties of the effects can be radically, radically different than the cause of the properties. And you can think of your, I can give the, think of your argument in reverse. God caused um, the material world. The material world has very different properties than God's mind, right? But that's not a problem for God to cause that sort of effect, right? So it's not, I just don't see uh, the issue there. But look, to be fair, this is not an easy conversation. Philosophy the most of philosophy is done and not in these, uh, short debate forums. Um, the, they're fun and I'm glad we're doing them and people learn and I, I enjoy it. Uh, this is a serious philosophical question, um, that, that requires hours and hours of hours of discussion. And maybe there might not even be agreement, but I, I'm, I'm glad to be here because I enjoy, um, talking to people like Stellman. I really enjoy the topic and I'm, uh, maybe we could do more of this in the future. Um, please check me out on Phil Talk. It's with the red logo. um the uh, there's an unfortunately, I named the uh, the channel uh, after um uh, and I named it without looking at other channels and there's another channel called Phil Talk and they teach um Tagalog, which is the language of the Philippines. so if you don't go there um you know, I'll, I'll have to beat, they only have a thousand subscribers. You're, you're going to have to help me beat them. So my name comes up before their theirs, but it's Phil talk with a red logo with a P uh, please subscribe. Um, if you, if you like this sort of content, thanks for having me
0: all right guys thank you so much for coming appreciate you guys all right great debate excellent job guys we're going to jump into this q a we got some pretty good questions coming your way uh danny they may be heavy you buddy so just <laughs> just be aware man okay, okay. Uh, let me see the... all right so this was coming your way you'll see a pop up on the bottom of the screen that is not what it was supposed to do Stand by. Stand by. It wasn't supposed to give you the. Uh... All right. Let me do it again. That's the one that's supposed to pop up. There it is. All right. So Danny, this question's for you. Danny, what would it take to persuade you? There is a foundational mind that exists. Oh,
1: what a hard question. So let me just be very honest here. There are all sorts of things that can convince me of God. I, I'm not. I think that's just a psychological question. Um, honestly, um, if I chose to go to church and um, have only Christian friends, and then they're people like Stellman, that might cause me to believe in God, right? Because I, I, I I'm very much persuaded by societal pressures. Maybe I'm just like that. Um, but uh, there are all sorts of things that can convince me. You know, if God. You know, if I saw Jesus is real on the stars, that might convince me. But I think the interesting question is what serves as justification, okay? What would cause me to believe or persuade me to believe might not be a good reason to believe. So I think actually William and Craig gives this distinction that we want to distinguish what's a good reason to believe and what would just persuade me to believe. And honestly, I really don't know myself to a point where I can tell you exactly what would persuade me. All I know is that I'm interested in. And the arguments, in the philosophy of religion. And um, that might do something to, to make me a theist. I really don't know.
0: All right. Uh, Danny? I'm uh, sorry, Stillman, any thoughts?
2: Oh No, I think that's a, that's a perfectly reasonable question. In fact, I was just talking to Joe Schmidt about this, funny enough. Uh, I know I've mentioned him a couple times, um, about there are certain arguments for the existence of God that I now reject, because I don't think they're good arguments, and I look back, well, why did I accept them in the first place? Maybe I just had certain biases to, well, of course I'm going to accept an argument for God because I already believe in him. And so that's kind of made me do a lot of kind of self-introspection of, like, you know, everybody has biases, you can't get out of it. If you pretend you're objective, you're just fooling yourself. Um, But it's made me really kind of just look internally to, you know, what should be a good reason versus, well, what just, you know, because of my biases seems like a good reason. So I just think that's a good point everybody should consider.
0: All right. Next question is what's again for you, Danny. Danny, if human if human thinking or mind is not evidence for the personal creator as adequate as an adequate source, how do you explain the observable facts? Just observations
1: in general, like me seeing the screen right now. Is that kind of? Do you think that was the aim of the question?
0: I'm I, assuming if that, if that's I the correct so.
1: interpretation. Look, I think that if I were a theist, I would just say that everything because everything was caused by God, right, um, that, like, everything kind of serves as a, um, there's a sense in which um, everything sort of confirms God's existence, but um, I think that I explained why that might have been problematic because um, the idea is that God didn't have to create, so a world in which there's no universe and no observable observations or observable facts is just as consistent with um, a world in which, you know, there's, let me rephrase that. The idea is that whether there's something to observe or not to observe, that's consistent with God's existence, which is why I have a hard time with this notion of evidence as even being applicable to God. That's my—that's what I meant to say.
0: All right. Uh, Stillman, any thoughts?
2: Um, no, not necessarily. Um, I did have a thought, and it, it literally just left me. So if it comes back up, I'll, I'll let you know.
1: Okay, but we know we, just, we disagree. That's the. That, that's, uh,
2: <laughs> no, I, I actually don't. I, there was something I wanted to clarify that was said earlier that okay. was, it was bugging me as you were saying it, and it was kind of implicit in the question, but I just, I just can't remember it now. Especially because I can't read the text, so I'm going to rely on Marlon to read me if anything. I had a hard
1: time me. understanding the question. Sorry if I didn't, to whoever this person was. I, didn't, I don't
2: know what Oh, you're so, yeah, I know what it is. It's not a question towards me, so it might be unfair for me to say it.
0: Yeah, I'll read it again, uh just uh, if you want to, if it helps you jog the memory. It says, if human thinking or yeah, mind is not evidence for, yeah. for the personal creator as adequate source, how do you explain its observable facts?
2: Yeah, so it really wasn't anything about the question, it was just about what Danny was saying. And... I would just want to clarify something. When he says, if I was a theist, everything would be evidence uh, for God. I know you're not doing this, Danny, but what I fear is that the audience might hear what some atheists do do, which is kind of, this is just a lazy thing that theists are doing, which is, well, we're just going to say anything uh, is evidence for God. Um, I I don't think everything is evidence for God. Now, granted, when we talk about physical things like trees, granted, I am an idealist, so I do think, for example, earlier when you said uh, mental properties don't, or material properties don't exist in God, but He created them. Why don't they think there are things, such things as material properties? I think it is all mental properties. So in that sense, you don't sense, think brains are You don't think brains are. It depends material. on what you. It depends on what you mean by uh, material, right? Like I, I am a dual aspect idealist, right? So I do think there are dual aspects, uh, but yeah, I think yeah, I have that view as well.
1: Yeah, I have that view as well. All right. I'm so the idea is that. When I say material, I'm talking about a particular aspect. Um, so,
2: Yeah. So, yeah, I think we agree there. All right. Mm-hmm.
1: All
0: right. And here's another question for you, Danny. Is mind okay. evidence that I exist? <laughs> Everything to him. If an alien from another universe has a mind, does he exist? If there were evidence for the transcendental God's mind, would he exist? Thanks.
1: Okay. I, can you repeat the question? I can, I can barely see it on my screen.
0: Um, yes, can so you repeat was- the one more time? It says, Danny, is my mind evidence that I exist? If an alien from another universe has a mind, does he exist? If there were evidence from the trans- transcendent God's mind, would he exist?
1: Okay, so this is a very good question. Um, I think what he's asking, what this person's asking about, is about self-knowledge. Okay? How do you know that you know things? How do you, you believe your belief that you have beliefs? right? And I I would say that the way that you know that you exist is markedly different from any kind of inference and any kind of uh, perception or empirical experience, okay? The way that you come to know your own beliefs, on my view, is constitutive, which is a fancy word of built in, say built in, of having a belief in the first place, okay? So when I say I believe, I when I, if I say I believe that it's raining outside, that is what's built into that belief is the belief that I believe that because I said, I believe it. The fact that I said, I believe it implies that I believe that I believe it. And that's called self-knowledge. It has nothing to do on my view with evidence, inferences, deduction, or argumentation. It's a the weirdest kind of knowledge, I think. Um, and uh and that's how we come we just we just know ourselves in virtue of you know our knowledge of 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 our beliefs being kind of constituted in a way where we have acquaintance with them and having those sort of beliefs about our beliefs
0: all right uh stillman any thoughts
2: i I think there's something interesting there when we bring in the alien for example like i gave the example of a robot early on and you know, I mean this kind of gets into the problem of other minds. Like if we looked at a robot, we would say, "Okay, it's it's exhibiting certain behaviors, but we don't think it's conscious." Well, how do we know other humans aren't like that? Well, because we assume other humans are like us. But if we saw an alien from another planet, well, why think the alien is like us and not like the robot? How would we know it's conscious? Um, and I don't know if that's directly related, but I just, I'm yes, just saying true. I think that opens up some interesting discussion in that Yeah, area. It, it
1: brings in the, something called the problem of other minds. Um, like, how mm-hmm. do we know? Like, everything I'm seeing about Stellman and Marlon um, is that, you know, that's consistent with being explained by brains and not mentality, right? You could just be a, a pea zombie, a robot, a flesh robot. But the, so how do I know that you're, how do I know that you have a mind as opposed to just being a flesh robot? And that's called... The problem of other minds—it's one of the hardest things to solve in philosophy. Good luck. <laughs>
0: yeah. All right. And yeah, it's all you, Danny man. I'm trying to find. That's fine. Stelman's Stillman, been Stillman. participating. So it's okay. <laughs> I'm trying to find <laughs> out for Stelman, man. It's hard, hard pushing around these parts. All oh, right. No, so, there. Danny, again, what is the uh, atheistic explanation? of the differences in the mindsets of humans and animals what created that difference very very interesting question
1: atheist philosophers and they don't even philosophers or mind are very divided about this um my personal view is that um humans have two faculties the perspective faculty and the reflective faculty and if animals have minds which I'm actually starting to become more and more skeptical of um then they only have the perceptual faculty they can't reflect argue deliberate anything like that all they are motivated by is what they see in front of them and they acquire beliefs based on their moment-to-moment perception but i and i can be convinced otherwise this is i don't think there's any good um uh i don't think there's an easy view to all all of the views about the distinction between animals and 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 humans um all of them are either problematic or unintuitive it's just it's just a very difficult issue however very interesting
0: all right uh stillman any thoughts
2: um yeah i I don't know that i would have any um thoughts that would be particularly contributive to the discussion although i mean i Obviously, I think we're relevantly different from animals. I think we're creating the image of God animals are, but I do think we're both consciousness. And in fact, I heard Michael Jones uh, the other day make an argument for why plants could even be conscious. I think it's interesting stuff, but I, I wouldn't have any sophisticated thoughts on it.
0: All right. And here's another question. Do you, oh man, I'm thinking this is a question. This is about my system I'm using. <laughs> oh man, no. But I'll answer it. That's true. do you use OBS over your streams? I think, I'm think i thinking about stepping up <laughs> from just using StreamYard trying to decide what to start learning. Just because I made a mistake in my picking my questions, I'll answer your question, logical. Uh, no, I use what you call vMix, and vMix is a pretty good system. You can check it out online. I'm pretty satisfied with it, man, so. Check it out, man. StreamYard is good, though. StreamYard is solid. I used to use StreamYard, but I stepped away from it. All right. And here's another question for Danny. If you believe God must be rejected as unfalsifiable, would you also accept that principle itself must be falsifiable, otherwise rejected, thus undercutting your own point?
1: yeah. This is a very good objection against the logical positivist, the verificationist. Very good objection. Good thing is I'm not one. What all I mean is that I have a strict meaning of falsification as applied to um, empirical um, or a posteriori um, uh, conclusions, right? So falsification only applies to those sorts of conclusions. Um, They don't apply to... Conclusions that have been made by philosophical means or argumentation, deduction, mathematical, or whatever, logical. Um, So um, it's true that if I held to a falsification principle and um, just in general for all kinds of conclusions, I think it would be self refute. It would be, there would be self refutation. But I only apply falsification to uh, um, things that um, exist concretely. Uh, empirical data a posteriori truths
0: okay uh stillman any thoughts no i agree all right all right and uh here's another question for you danny astronomers ask somebody's got to Yeah, so, <laughs> I was hoping. So. I know I got a couple of atheists in the live chat. I thought they would throw some questions at you, man, but I guess not. Danny, astronomers will ask: uh, Will we know life when we see it? If we found an alien without a body, but it is apparent, it but it's an it's apparent it has a mind. Does it exist? If yes, God is spirit. Okay, so um,
1: will we li- Will we know life when we see it? If we found an alien without a body. I just take aliens to have bodies. I mean, otherwise, I mean, okay. So it, I, I don't, I don't even know how to find a mind to be honest it, without a body. Um, it seems like if you come to know a mind that has no body, it's omnipresent. Um, it's everywhere. So it'd be like finding God. Um, uh, aliens have bodies, though, so that's that's why I'm kind of thrown off. Um, maybe maybe I misunderstood the question. Um. Well, Stillman, how did you interpret the question?
2: <laughs> no, I, th- I think you're right. I mean, I think they're assuming, and I would take up for you here, I think they're assuming that potentially there could be something like the ghost of an alien floating around and we could somehow see it and interact and be like, oh, look, yeah. a ghost. It must be a mind without a body. And I yeah, would take I, up for yeah. you and say, no, I, I don't think... Minds, For example, I referenced near-death experiences. I think minds can have experiences apart from the brain, but we wouldn't know about that unless those minds came back into their bodies and then reported to us what they saw, because as just disembodied minds, they couldn't interact with the world.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry if I misunderstood, misunderstood the question. It seems like this is like a a common thing I'm doing is not understanding the question
0: it's all good it's all good guys that's actually the final question of the Q&A right there man so you guys did great man great job I, I know Danny you have a whole bunch of discussions with people on discord and you know you're you're, you're not a stranger to this type of platform where you're having to have a discussion Stillman I know you have your, your channel you don't have a whole bunch of discussions with, with different individuals that's opposed to you but you did great man both of you guys did a great job man I Thank appreciate you. you both and as always I send out gifts man i send out gifts that's just me i like to send gifts out to people who come on the show and uh take more take time away from what they could be doing other than this so uh, it's just a of appreciation from me to you man so i'll be reaching out to both of you uh once the show expires, man and um i thank you guys man any final words uh before we let before i shut this thing down nice. thanks for thank having you me very I much enjoyed Ron, it.
2: for the invitation oh. yeah and thank you danny for
0: talking to me man thanks gentlemen it was fun all right, guys. I'll be signing off, man. You guys take care and God bless you. All right, God bless. All right, folks. An excellent discussion, man. This is heavy, heavy stuff right here, man. I I could be honest with you guys, man. <laughs> I'm following. I'm listening intently, man. Some of the stuff was like whoop right over the head, man. My, my big ball crystal head. So it, it, it went on. It went over my head a little bit, man. But this is, you know. And I think it's important for Christians to really, including myself, this is not me pointing at you and saying you need to do it. I need to do it definitely, man. I think it's important for Christians to be well-rounded. You know, um, I think a lot of times Christians tend to shy away at times, anyway, from the philosophical uh, aspects of of Christianity. Christianity has a very heavy philosophical foundation, man. And I think it's it's, it's uh, I think it behooves us as Christians to be able to dive into that, not surface level, but really dive into it because you have atheists. Like Danny, who is very philosophically astute. So he understands what he's saying and he understands what you're going to say. And I think it's very important for Christians to be able to respond to that, not only in a in somewhat a, a philosophical uh, phraseology or a philosophical way um, we, obviously, we obviously don't want to get so heavy philosophical where we get away from the scriptures from the, the foundational text of the Bible right that is our core where we keep everything at in the gospel but we do want to be able to have the ability to hit that switch so to speak you know when it's time to get philosophical man we can do it you know we have that that repertoire that, that Batman belt with all the different weapons in it right so we want to be able to defend the gospel and defend the truth of christ in any avenue that comes around right we want to be well-rounded so i thank danny and i thank Stillman for coming on man and i appreciate these guys for taking time out the busy schedules and you know um just make sure that before you get off this channel that you subscribe to the gospel truth it's so important that you do because the gospel truth uh is i have a whole bunch of shows we're in the process of doing a new um a new promotional that's why i haven't been putting up the new debates but i have about 10 to 15 debates that i've already had scheduled they're not posted on the youtube page but they will soon they will be soon um so if you don't want to miss out on any of those debates man just make sure that you subscribe please do that before you leave the gospel believe this channel please subscribe do not hesitate and get those likes up so hit the like button before you bounce as well but i thank you once again as my audience those who follow me i love you and i thank you so much for spending time with us this evening and i'm gonna get out of here i love you so much may god bless you and may god keep you gone